the February National Rifle League 22 Course of Fire, this week on Mail Call Mondays. I'm John McQuay with 8541 Tactical, and this is Mail Call Mondays, the show that answers your questions about precision rifles, optics, and equipment. Welcome to another Mail Call Mondays, and this Monday we are going to talk about the February NRL 22 Course of Fire. Uh, I shot this Course of Fire uh, this last weekend, which is the last weekend of the month at the Westside Sportsman's Club here in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, so we're just going to go down the uh, the course of fire and I'll talk about a little bit about the rig that I shot and uh, what I liked and what I didn't like. Uh, first of all, we'll cover the rifle I shot, uh, which is the Begara B14R that I have sitting here in front of me. This is the steel version. Um, at this point, I have got quite a few matches under my belt with this rifle. Uh, we are still chugging through the uh, getting the review edited and getting it out to you. Uh, that is coming really soon, but I can tell you overall, this is a really, really fantastic rifle for the price. Um, I won't go into uh, great detail onto it other than to say that it is uh, pretty much completely stock still. I haven't even adjusted the uh, trigger on it or swapped out the trigger. Um, I did try to use a magazine extension on it on the last match and ended up having to bail on that at the beginning because it was not functioning reliably. Uh, so I went back to the standard 10 round magazines. I'm still waiting for somebody to come up with a good reliable uh, magazine extension for the Begara uh, rimfire magazine. So if any of you guys out there know of one, uh, please drop me a comment down below. Uh, but the uh, 10 round magazines uh, work very, very well. I just would like to have an extra shot or two because occasionally you'll kick one out and we'll talk about that here lately. And that uh, occasionally you'll have a uh, dud round depending upon the ammunition that you're using. I did use uh, just a standard uh, Harris BRMS 6 to 9 bipod. Uh, I've been using the standard Harris bipod on the uh, B14R because it only comes with sling swivel studs up front. Uh, I haven't wanted to uh, take those off and drill the stock for an ARCA plate yet, uh, so I can use some of the other bipods I have. But uh, for the regular monthly stages, uh, the BRMS bipod works really, really well. I'm not going to run into many situations uh, that are really strange where things like the SkyPod or the Warn bipod pod uh, really help out quite a bit. Uh, if you're going into things blind and you have no idea what you're going to encounter, uh, the SkyPod really so far I think is the most versatile bipod that I've run. Uh, obviously SkyPod is manufactured by MDT and we are sponsored by MDT, at least this show is. Um, but I have been running the Harris because it's light, it's simple, and it does most of what I need for the regular monthly matches. Um, the scope we are still running the Bushnell Forge. Uh, this is the 27 to 4.5 uh, Forge, and it's performed very, very well. The reticle in it uh, is great for both uh, holding and dialing. I do like a center dot reticle, which this has in it, and then you have the Christmas tree uh, for your holds. Uh, it is not illuminated, which obviously doesn't make a difference for NRL 22 because uh, we shoot these matches pretty much during the day or in well-lit conditions. Um, and uh, overall, it has done everything that I've needed it to do. It tracks accurately. Uh, the only little uh, hiccup I have with it or the only uh, drawback I have to it is 
Uh, it does use just standard grub screws against a brass stem uh, to set the zero on here. Uh, I really, really would prefer to have some kind of quick zero reset feature on a 22 uh, because occasionally uh, the zero does wander a little bit and you end up right before the match having to adjust a tenth this way or a tenth that way. Uh, so I, I really would prefer to be able to have something where I could quickly reset the turrets. But it's not that big of a deal. Uh, the parallax works great on it and it does. it's not so finicky on the parallax. Uh, that I can't actually fudge and uh, engage a target that's really kind of outside of where I would normally need to adjust the parallax. And again, we'll talk about that when we get to the stage that it applies to. Uh, other gear that I used, I used the uh, Armageddon gear. Uh, pint size waxed game changer. Um, this really has been working well for me. I, I've Got a ton of different bags that I switched up between uh, the different uh, fortune cookies, mini fortune cookies, all the other stuff. Um, this one just, it, it seems to be easy to handle, easy to maneuver around. It doesn't work superbly for everything, um, but I think it's a good compromise bag. Uh, now, the um, mini fortune cookie is also a really good bag. Um, it's just, this one ends up staying in my bag the most and being used for both center fire and for rim fire shooting. Um, there was one stage on here where we needed a dope card and I used the uh, Coltac uh, dope card holder. Uh, this is one that they sent out in the uh, NRL 22 um, goodie bag. Uh, so that was really nice. Uh, this is uh, probably the second match that I've used it in and uh, it just very easily, now I'm doing this backwards, obviously, so you guys can actually see it. Um, but you just basically lace it around the scope tube here, slip the loop over the little toggle, and then hold the card out to where you want. And it holds the card fairly well uh, throughout movement. And if it gets slapped against something, it's just going to lay back, and then you can stick it back out there again. So it's not... It's not like um, the Night Eyes or uh, the wire wrap ones that I've been using where if you get it slammed into something, it can get all twisted up and funky. Uh, this one tends to return back to where it needs to be fairly well. Uh, and it's quick to go on and quick to come off if you need to reconfigure it for something else. And it does just use uh, Velcro on uh, cards. So you can have several cards already set up and stick them on. I generally don't do it. I generally just set up the card for the stage and then wipe it clean with dry erase marker and go on to the next one. And lastly, we did have a stage where sling could be used on uh, this course of fire. Uh, so I used the tab gear uh, PRS sling. Uh, this thing works really, really well. Um, I, I'm a big fan of loop slings. Uh, the Tab Gear uh, PRS sling does not have a loop sling. Uh, this is more of a patrol type sling that is also designed for uh, precision rifle competition and uh, it's designed for um, actual precision rifle real world use. Uh, I wasn't sure how well I was going to like it because it doesn't utilize a loop function. Um, I I'm not 100% certain I can get as tight with this as I can with a traditional loop sling, and it definitely doesn't have any feature uh, where it cuts off the uh, pulse to your support hand uh, like some of the loop slings do. Uh, 
however, I can stay in this sling longer than I can in a loop sling without problems, which is really important for the real world. Uh, but then also the way it's set up, I can quickly get in the sling uh, from a carry position. I can really utilize it from a carry position. And then because of where the tail and the release ends up being, I can snug it down and loosen it up quickly while I'm in the sling. I don't have to get out of the sling, reset my tension, get back in the sling. Uh, for this game, what it means is when you have stages like we will talk about where um, you have to shoot part of the stage in a sling and part of the stage uh, you're going to need to get out of the sling. That allows me to have the sling tight enough that it will actually do something for me when I'm using it for support, uh, but I can slack it out when I need to get on a barricade uh, so that it's not limiting my position. Uh, so that was overall the gear that I used. I didn't really use anything else other than these pieces here. So let's go through the different courses of fire and we'll pretty much run these in the order that they were printed on the packet because uh, this month that is actually the order that we shot them in. Uh, so stage one is Love Stinks and So Do Ladders. Of course, these are all uh, Valentine's Day themed stages. Uh, so uh, on with the corny titles. Um, this one I actually cleaned. This was a ladder stage, as the title would dictate. And uh, it was uh, a 70-yard target, a 2-inch piece of steel on a single hanger. And equipment allowed is one piece of equipment in accordance with the NRL 22 rules. Uh, now, we haven't talked about the NRL 22 rules for a while. I'll just talk about this real quick. Um, this is specifically referring to the gamer plate uh, situation. Uh, so if you run a bag with a gamer plate on it that allows it to be solidly affixed to your rifle, uh, the bag and the plate, while they're in contact with each other, are con considered one piece of equipment. If you separate them, leave the, uh, the plate attached to the rifle, and you move the bag to the rear of the rifle, that is now two pieces of equipment. So you are only allowed one piece of equipment for this stage. So if you used the gamer plate, they have to be used together. Uh, for the uh, whole deal. The points are 10 points per impact, 100 points possible. Uh, start position is standing, rifle, and all gear in hand, mag in, action open. On the start signal, you'll engage targets with four shots from any step on the ladder. Move to a different step and re-engage the target with three shots. Move to a different step and re-engage the target with two shots. Move to a different step and re-engage the target with one shot. So four, three, two, one. No step can be repeated and you must use four different steps. Um, now I cleaned the stage, uh, but I shot it a little bit differently than I normally would shoot ladder stages. Uh, usually if I have the choice on a ladder, I like to go high to low because gravity is assisting you coming down. Uh, and usually for me, it's easier to start at a higher rung, the highest rung that I would use, and then just thread the rifle into the next one, thread the rifle into the next one, thread the rifle into the next one. You could use whichever step you wanted to use to start with, but you had to engage with four shots on the first step that you used. So this told me I wanted to get 
the most number of shots from the most stable position. So I started on the bottom rung. Uh, now, the bottom rung may not be the most stable rung for some people. Uh, for me, I'm able, I've got the flexibility uh, in my lower back that I'm able to get into a prone position and then just bend my back up and rest the rifle on it. And for me, that's the most stable um, set up on the ladder right now. Uh, now I may have days where uh, I had a heavy lift day the day before and I may not be able to comfortably get into that position. Uh, so I may go to another higher rung. But in this case, I started on that bottom rung and I fired my four shots and then I just crept up one rung at a time. So four on the bottom, three on the next, two on the next, and one on the top. Uh, and it managed to work just fine on that. That one the equipment functioned perfectly. I used uh, the pint size game changer and I used it uh, perpendicular to the step. So I've got the lobes on there. The lobes aren't actually wide enough to actually go on either side of the step. So it ends up kind of crinkled up like this, uh, but it gives me a wider uh, part to uh, sit the rifle on. Now that I've tried it both ways with the bag this direction or uh, with the bag sitting on the step and the rifle in it here. Uh, and I really kind of like the bag being perpendicular to the step a little bit more. Uh, there sometimes I go back and forth on it, um, but that seems to work uh, best for me right now. Uh, and it's fairly easy for me to get the bag and the rifle in or to drop the bag on and then thread the rifle in over top of it and get it on top of the bag uh, without trying to get it between the two upright lobes um, and have to deal with that. So again, I, I cleaned that one. Um, felt pretty good coming off of it. Uh, I think I could have got my shots a little bit quicker, uh, but since I didn't have any misses uh, and time was not a factor in this one, I was fairly happy with it. So stage two is pick your poison, but do it quickly. Uh, so this one, uh, we had uh, all the targets were at 65 yards. You had a five inch and a four inch on a double hook, and then you had a three inch and a two inch on a double hook. You have one piece of equipment in accordance with the NRL 22 rules on the sawhorse and sling only for any unsupported positions. Uh, so you you could not use bipod or a bag for the, the slung positions. Points are 10 points per impact plus a 0.1 bonus per second remaining, i.e. if 8.7 seconds remain, the shooter will earn 87 point, or 0.87 points. For the practice score template, enter the time in elapsed in seconds. Uh, starting position is a uh, standing rifle and all gear in hand, mag in action open. Uh, the number of shots per target per position is predetermined, but on signal the shooter can pick their position by shooting the stage in the order they see fit. Uh, so um, standing, you had to engage the five inch target with two shots. Uh, from the top of the sawhorse, you had to engage the four-inch target with three shots. From the bottom of the sawhorse, you had to engage the three-inch target with three shots. And prone, you had to engage the um, two-inch target with two shots. If the shooter completes the course of fire before the time limit, the shooter will let the RO know by yelling, done, to stop time. So, this one, I... 
I kind of like the way this is set up uh, because you knew which targets you had to shoot the most shots on. So you couldn't just like lay all of your shots uh, on the big fat meatball targets. Uh, and you had to shoot specific targets from specific positions, but you could choose the order that you wanted to shoot those positions in. Um, a couple of our shooters started on the barricade. Uh, I chose to start on the uh, unsupported position. So I actually started uh, standing in the offhand position uh, with the sling setup because I didn't want to have to get in the sling and adjust the sling on the clock. Uh, so I got in the sling, dialed it in before my uh, time started. Uh, then when time started, it was just a matter of bringing the gun up closing the bolt, and getting the shots off. Now, I missed my first one offhand, I got my second one offhand, and then it was a quick matter to go down to prone. Now, you have to be careful when you are going standing to prone uh, in a sling, because uh, the rifle is attached to your body, so if you lose your balance, you go down, you're going to spear that rifle uh, into the dirt. Uh, so... A, just be careful going down. It's something that really is a good thing to practice with an unloaded gun. Uh, and you definitely need to make sure that that bolt is back and your fingers out of the trigger uh, when you're moving down to the prone position. Or if you're running a semi-gun, you need to make sure it's on safe when you're moving because it's real easy uh, for that muzzle to go directions you don't want to. So I got down, um, got into my uh, prone position, and thankfully um, the tab gear sling allows me to adjust between the, uh, the standing and the prone. Uh, it's pretty close, and I can just uh, tighten up my elbows a little bit to uh, snug the gun in on me without actually having to go through and reset the sling. Uh, so that worked great. Got down in my prone position, but still, I think I was just rushing the first shots in it because I missed the first shot in the prone as well, which... I usually don't miss shots in the prone. Now, it was a two-inch target, um, but two-inch target at 65 yards really shouldn't be that an issue. So, missed first shot, got the second shot, and then uh, moved to the top of the sawhorse, because, again, I like working top-down when I have the opportunity. Uh, I had already thrown my bag on the top of the sawhorse as soon as the time started, so all I had to do uh, was slip my arm out of the sling, drop the rifle across the top of the bag, and uh, get my three shots off the top of the sawhorse on the four-inch target. I connected with all three of those. Um, then I had to uh, move down to the platform underneath the sawhorse, and this is where the problems uh, jumped in. Uh, because I needed to, to get the position down there, I didn't feel that I could get it with the sling attached. Uh, so I went to throw the sling over my head and I hooked my ear pro with the back of the sling and pulled it off. Um, I knew time was running. I knew I wasn't going to have the time to put my ear pro back on um, before I could engage the target. I went ahead and continued the engagement without the ear pro on. Now, I'm wearing iPro. I know I've shot these things quite a bit. Um, I knew that the 22 ammunition that I'm shooting, which is subsonic ammunition through a bolt-action rifle, uh, was not going to blow my eardrums out for three shots. Uh, so I went ahead and rolled with it. Um, if, uh, if it was a young gun, I'd, I probably would have gone ahead and stopped the match had them put their ear pro back on and continued because uh, it's very important to protect their hearing. Um, my hearing has already been blown out by machine guns and ARs and handguns at close range and all kinds of stuff. So um, 
I knew I wasn't within the pain threshold. It when I got done, my ears were not ringing, so uh, not a big deal. Now, if you were running high-velocity ammo, if I was running stingers through this, uh, it would have been a different matter. I would have gone ahead and stopped, put my Air Pro back on, and continued. But I rolled the dice. I was pretty sure I was going to be just fine for three shots at the end of the stage without Ear Pro. Um, but it uh, makes a good argument for earplugs, or at least uh, doubling up instead of uh, just the muffs uh, that I was wearing. So to compound issues, I dumped the Ear Pro when I tried to flip the sling off, and then I ended up having a uh, jam on the uh, rifle. More than likely what happened uh, was I bumped around out of the magazine uh, because this is a control round feed. Um, it is easy to just um, bump this forward, catch it, uh, then either come back partially and dump around uh, in the action. Uh, without actually hitting the ejector hard enough to kick it out or something else. I'm not sure exactly what happened because I didn't have the time to stop and diagnose, uh, but I ended up not being able to chamber that next round and I had to clear the jam uh, so that I could go on. Thankfully, I still managed to get my uh, remaining three shots off uh, before the time expired, and I ended up uh, with 14 seconds remaining on the clock, which is absolutely amazing. So I came off that whole stage uh, with 81.4 points. I probably should have slowed down a little bit and got those initial hits and I should have been a little bit more careful. Uh, I don't even know at this point if I needed to flip the sling over my head. I probably could have gone ahead and engaged without moving the sling, uh, but I knew the bottom of that sawhorse is kind of rickety and I like to free recoil the gun off of that um, bottom. So I didn't really want to have the sling pulling on the gun at all at that bottom. So lesson learned on that one, uh, just be a little bit more careful. And if I know I'm going to have to throw a sling on or off, I'm probably going to switch to earplugs instead of earmuffs um, or just run the smart thing and put the suppressor on the gun. So that was stage two. Now I'll go on to stage three. Stage three is shot through the heart. Um, this is an 85-yard target, a 2.5-inch and a 3-inch on a double hanger. Uh, equipment is one piece of equipment in accordance with the NRL 22 rules, and points are 10 points per impact with 100 points possible. The start position is standing, rifle and all gear in hand, mag in, and action open. On the start signal, you'll engage the 3-inch target with 3 shots from the back of the chair. Then engage the 2.5-inch target with 3 shots from the seat of the chair. Then you'll move to the five gallon bucket and engage the three inch target with two shots from the bucket on its side. Then engage the 2.5 inch target with two shots with the bucket on its end. Note the chair will be facing down range. When the shooter from the back of the chair, I'm sorry, when shooting from the back of the chair, nothing may be touching the seat. Engage from the seat means the rifle on the seat, not the shooter. Um, this has had to be spelled out very, very carefully because uh, some shooters have come up with some really novel ways to use the folding chair, which is really amazing uh, for me, but um, it, they're trying to make sure that the playing field stays level and it doesn't become a, uh, a way to game everything. Um, shooting from the seat 
uh, is a little bit more difficult uh, because you have a very limited amount. When the chair is set up this way, where it is facing downrange, you have a very limited amount of space to thread the rifle in between the seat and the seat back. Uh, so if you are actually forced uh, to place the rifle on the seat, then like I couldn't even fit a game changer through there. I would need a very, very thin bag uh, to be able to make it work. But that thin bag would hurt me on the seat back and it would hurt me on the bucket. Uh, so I went ahead and um, ran the pint size game changer for this. Uh, the start is easy. Throw the gun on the, uh, the seat back uh, and engage the uh, three inch target with three shots. Um, that was easy to go. Uh, when we had to go underneath, initially I had a little bit of a brain hiccup. I was going to try to set it up on the bag and then again I realized, oops, that's not going to happen. So I threaded the rifle in, uh, got my position down, looked through the scope so I could see where my elevation was at. Uh, because sometimes if the chair is tilted one way or the other because you have that long flat back, then you have to readjust your game plan real quick. Um, thankfully, the chair was on a little bit of a downward tilt because of the, the uneven grass. Uh, so I was able to run my fingers between the forend and the uh, chair seat, and I was able to get my uh, elevation that way. And the forend on this rifle is fairly flat, uh, so it rides that seat pretty well. Uh, so as long as I get my fingers in to block the sling swivels, uh, from riding on the seat, I was good to go. Of course, I did take the bipod off because there's just not enough room in there. I tried to use the flat of the bipod before and it's backfired on me pretty badly. So I uh, jettisoned the bipod before we started. So I got three, three hits off the chair back. I managed to get uh, two out of my three hits off of the seat. Uh, I just pushed one. I started to get a little bit shaky uh, towards the end of it. And then uh, I transitioned over to the bucket. Now, the you have to shoot the first set of shots uh, on the, uh, the 3-inch target uh, with the bucket on its side. Uh, where the bucket's on its side is where uh, a game-changer type bag works really well because you have these lobes that sit on either side of it, and they kind of help stabilize the bucket when you put the gun on it so you don't get this... Uh, forward back rolling. Uh, I find that once you get that set up, you need to put a little bit of downward pressure uh, right over the bag um, and try not to do any, you don't want to drive the gun with your shoulder because then you'll start rolling forward and back and that changes your elevation. It's really a bad deal. Uh, so set the bag on it, let the gun settle on top. And with these buckets, um, it's actually, you you really don't want to push down too much because you'll get up and down flex in the bucket uh, since you have that open mouth of the bucket and nothing is supporting it. So I engaged that and got both my hits uh, from the um, side of the bucket. Then I flipped the bucket upright, uh, dropped the bag on top of the bucket, dropped the gun uh, down between there, um, got everything set up, and uh, got my... Uh, last shots off from the top of the bucket. Now the top of the bucket is fairly simple. Again, I try to free recoil it. I support uh, right over the bag, um, which is basically putting very light pressure uh, over the front of the scope ring and uh, get it dialed in. I hit the first one. I knew I was starting to get towards the end of my time uh, and I just pulled through too quickly on the last shot. Uh, so I ended up dropping two total uh, for that entire stage. 
for 80 points total. Um, the last one, the last shot I, I specifically remember feeling my uh, lat on my left side start twitching. Uh, what that usually tells me when I went back and looked at the video, I think I was overextending a little bit too much. Um, usually if I'm trying to free recoil the gun off of a barricade, um, I will get to where my shoulder's touching and I'll come back just a little bit so there's almost no space. I think in this case I was uh, way too far out on the gun and then I was reaching too far uh, with my support side arm to stabilize it and I think that was starting to, to cause some vibrations uh, and a little bit of twitching and I just didn't take the time to stable that out or stabilize that uh, before I broke the shot. So uh, it's nice when you can come off of it and have a pretty good idea of why you uh, missed the shot, uh, but it still doesn't uh, make you any happier that you actually missed the shot. Next we have stage four, which is you give love and support side a bad name. Um, and this is kind of where the, the wheels fell off a little bit for me. So um, the time second was still 120 time, 120 second time limit. Um, we had a 50 yard target, which was a 1.5 inch on a single hanger, 60 yards, we had a one inch on a single hanger, 75 yards, we had a two inch on a double hanger, and 90 yards, we had a three inch on a double hanger. And at 100 yards, we had 2.5 inch on a double hanger. We had, uh, we could use one piece of equipment in accordance with the NRL 22 rules. In this case, this is a prone stage, so it was um, bipod and uh, rear bag. You had uh, 10 points per impact, 100 points possible. The start position is standing, rifle and all gear in hand, mag in, action open. On the start signal, you take a prone supported position and engage the targets large to small, which actually ended up being 90 yards, 100 yards, 75 yards, 50 yards, and then 60 yards. Uh, with one shot each, then switch to support side and re-engage the targets large to small, which is the same order with one shot each. Note, support side means support eye, shoulder, and hand. Um, again, that has to be spelled out because I am one of the ones that's guilty of just sliding the rifle over to the opposite side and running uh, with the same hand. Um, so, in, in this case... Um, I, I really, really jacked this one up. Uh, the So at first I, I was concentrating on the order. And in fact, I wrote the order on my dope card incorrect uh, to begin with. And I had to correct it uh, before it was my time to go up. Um, and the fact that we're starting on the 90, I'm, I'm getting all this in my head. Um, we had uh, different... Dope settings, obviously, for each one of the targets, different holdovers. I decided to hold over instead of trying to dial because I'm already working from a opposite side, so I didn't want to juggle too many things at one time. I knew I was going to have to work the parallax. Uh, so, again, I really, really didn't want to um, mess with parallax and elevation uh, and all this and run it from the support side at the same time. So I decided, all right, I'm going to hold over. Um, got on the gun at the start, uh, and then promptly forgot I was running a holdover stage. Uh, fired first shot, missed, went to the second one, uh, fired the second shot, missed, 
because I was still processing the first shot thinking, okay, did the wind catch me? Because we did have intermittent breezes. And then it dawned on me that I didn't hold over when I looked at the card to see which target to go to next. Uh, so after that, I missed the first two shots. I hit the 75, I hit the 50, I hit the 60-yard target. I uh, swapped over to my support side, went back out. Now I'm obviously, I missed, so I'm thinking, all right, make sure I get it, make sure I get it, get my hold. And I get the 90, the 100, and the 75 from support side, and then I go slam the bolt forward and I get a jam. Um, in this case, I was able to figure out what the jam was because I had to uh, spend some time clearing it. Uh, occasionally I found uh, with the B14, I can flip a case uh, and it will stick right in that uh, left-hand uh, receiver rail. Uh, so it stuck in there and when I jammed the bolt forward, I kind of compacted it in there a little bit harder. Uh, so it was stuck in there pretty good. It wouldn't just rattle out. A lot of times if I do it and I don't slam the bolt forward, as soon as I drop the magazine, uh, the case will fall out. In this case, it didn't. And in this case, the control round feed worked against me because every time I moved the bolt forward to try to close the bolt, when I came back, uh, it would eject the live cartridge. So I kicked out two live cartridges, which were my last two shots, uh, on the ground. Now, thankfully, we were working off of a uh, platform uh, so I could very easily see where the cartridges went to. I cleared the jam, picked up the cartridges, loaded them back into the magazine, got them back into the gun, and as soon as it locked, time was up. Uh, so I ended up with two uh, failure to engage uh, there at the end. So I didn't get my 60 and didn't get my 50. So I came off of that stage uh, with only six points. Uh, so that one pretty much took me out of the shooting match. But uh, obviously uh, that was all my screw up. Uh, I have noticed uh, on the B14 uh, that when I let it get filthy, uh, it tends to have more of these um, ejection issues. Now it is a fixed ejector. Uh, so that means that the cases are ejected as hard as you bring the bolt back. So if you screw up bringing the bolt back, you can drop a case uh, inside the action. Uh, and it seems to do that again more when it's dirty uh, than when it's clean. So really what I have to get into the, the habit of doing is after I come off of every range trip, I need to brush off uh, the face of the bolt and wipe out the interior of the action, uh, even if I don't do anything to the barrel. Now will move on to stage five. And stage five is all my exes live in Texas. And uh, this was uh, a 10 round stage, of course. It was uh, a 40 yard target. We had a one inch, a three quarter inch, a half inch, and a quarter inch on a KYL rack. Uh, at 80 yards, we had a 1.5 inch on a single hanger. The equipment is one piece of equipment in accordance with the NRL 22 rules. Again, this was a prone stage. Uh, points are 10 points per impact, 100 points possible. The starting position is standing rifle and all gear in hand, mag in, action open. On the start signal, a shooter will take a prone supported position and engage the KYL, X's in Texas, large to small with one shot each, hit or miss, move on. Then engage the 1.5 inch target, which apparently is my hat in Tennessee, with one shot. Re-engage in the same order. 
Note, the shooter may not adjust magnification, windage, or elevation once given the start signal. You lost that privilege in the separation. Only parallax may be adjusted. Um, so again, this is where uh, this scope, uh, the parallax is fairly forgiving, so I actually really didn't need to monkey with the parallax to go from the uh, 40 to 80. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, the target was blurry, um, but I could aim for the center of the blur and uh, get my hit. So uh, not that big of a deal there. Um, this one was just pretty much a straight up uh, prone stage. Since I generally hold over anyways, uh, it was very easy just to uh, keep everything zeroed out and uh, know that I needed to hold uh, about 0.2 over for the uh, 40 yard target. And then I needed to hold um, one mil over uh, for the 80 yard target and I was good to go. Um, it, uh, it was pretty easy to run it. I uh, ended up uh, coming off that, I believe, with 90 points. Uh, the only one I missed was the last one. And again, um, I rushed it. I just rushed the shot. Uh, I knew we had an intermittent wind down there. Uh, and instead of taking the extra time to verify uh, what the wind was doing, uh, I went ahead and just um, went with what I had been doing. And uh, that kind of bit me in the butt. Uh, I watched the bullet go off the right-hand side of the target. Uh, so I knew I should have come off my uh, hold because I got it for the first one. Uh, I should have come off that hold and held center and then uh, drilled the target. But you know, those kind of things happen. Uh, so again, 90 points on that. Uh, but with the uh, the points that I really lost on the earlier stage, uh, that blew me out of the running for a uh, first place in this match. And that was the last stage for the February Course of Fire. Overall, it was a pretty enjoyable Course of Fire. Um, everybody seems to hate ladders. I wasn't really too wrapped up about the ladder. I like the way they did uh, the supported or the sling supported stage, the uh, offhand stage uh, for this match. Um, I liked having to decide, uh, am I going to start in the sling or am I going to end in the sling? How am I going to go with this? So that was kind of neat. Um, so again, overall, it was uh, a ton of fun. Um, I have not been shooting uh as far as training much uh, because of the whole uh, ammunition shortage and because of all the other issues that we've got going on here. Uh, so I have really actually gone match to match without going out and getting a training day in, which is never a good thing. And my performance uh, really, really demonstrated that. Uh, so I definitely have to get back out and actually take my own advice and uh, get out and shoot and do some more uh, training days uh, to get really dialed in on this. Uh, now, the equipment performed well with the exception of those hiccups, which I believe are uh, operator error because I am not cleaning this thing the way it should be. Usually it doesn't take a ton of cleaning or a ton of maintenance, um, but I am starting to notice uh, those extraction issues uh, when it gets really filthy. And by filthy, I mean um, I still didn't clean it since the last match and I had some extraction issues in the last match. And it has probably been 500, 600 rounds uh, since I've cleaned it. So probably a good idea to go in there because you get that paraffin wax uh, off of the uh, 
cartridges and it starts to build up in the action and build up in the mechanicals and it can be an issue. I said I still haven't adjusted the trigger or done anything with the trigger. I need to get in here and see uh, how much uh, I can take off the trigger pull weight because that really helps when you're free recoiling. And I'm really uh, actually considering swapping the stock over for the uh, MDT um, chassis that we have here. Uh, so I don't know how we're going to go uh, with that. Um, with the uh, with the MDT chassis, um, the LSS XL that I have here, this is for a Remington 700 footprint, which the Bagar will go in a 700 footprint. Uh, it does give me a full-length Arca rail up here that I've attached, so I can put uh, the SkyPod on here and use that wherever I want to use it. And it also does, of course, give me the ability to throw some accessory weights on here so I can uh, get this balanced out a little bit better. Uh, this rifle does not balance right now. It's very tail heavy uh, because I have a short, lightweight barrel and uh, a light forend on it. So even with the uh, bipod on here, it doesn't balance out. And when I have to pull the bipod uh, to do stuff like ladder stages, uh, then I lose a lot of weight up front and I end up having to put more weight on the front of the gun with my hand to try to balance it out. Uh, so I think I may get a little bit of a handling improvement uh, going to uh, something like the LSS XL. Uh, I don't know if I would want to go to a full um, ACC chassis on this. Uh, I'll have to uh, take a look at that. The ACC chassis is really... A, an extremely, extremely adept competition chassis. Um, but I'm starting to just really enjoy the lighter weight of this rig uh, when I'm moving it around a lot on the uh, the barricades. Uh, it just, it makes a NRL match or an NRL 22 match a little bit more relaxing when I'm not constantly moving around heavy equipment like I am uh, with the big centerfire gun with the uh, heavy barrel profile and the ACC chassis. So uh, let me know what you think though. Do you want to see uh, the Bagara in the uh, MDT chassis or would you continue to shoot it in the uh, factory stock? I really don't have any issues with the factory stock. It's very well thought out. Uh, really good piece of equipment. But um, my other guns run MDT chassis, uh, so kind of be nice to have this one uh, in a sim similar feeling chassis as well. So that's going to do it for uh, this recap of the February Course of Fire. Uh, if you shot the February Course of Fire, let me know. What stages did you like? What didn't you like? Uh, and how well you did. I'd love to hear your comments down in the comments section down below. If you guys have any questions or comments over anything we've covered on this edition of Mail Call Mondays, then please leave a comment in the comments section or send it to us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, if you guys want to support the videos that you know and love, please check us out over on Patreon. And and until next time, get out and shoot.